Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome to the Kind Parenting Company podcast. I'm Jackie Ward. And I'm Kylie Camps. Join us as we explore topics and share evidence-based information, all while honoring our commitment to kind parenting practices. This is a safe space for conversation and reflections on parenting and motherhood, designed to best support you in raising your little loves and to be the parent you want to be. We are so excited that you're here. Let's jump into today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. This week's episode is a conversation about nature play. Now, if you're a parent or carer or even someone who works with young children, whether that's in like a care setting or a therapeutic line of work, it's likely that you've noticed that nature play has become a bit of a buzz topic in recent years. If you search the hashtag on Instagram, it throws up literally hundreds of thousands of posts on this topic. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's good that people are talking about it and celebrating it, not just hashtagging it, of course, but actually actively engaging with nature play. I would also understand, however, if that has left you wondering what the big deal is, you know, why are people so excited about this? I think in a way it's a little like the notion of sensory play, which has also become very popular in recent years um, and is also frequently celebrated on social media. I guess it depends on the people that you follow, of course, but I know in my own feed I'm constantly seeing gorgeous pictures of um, like elaborate sensory play setups for young children. If you're seeing the same, perhaps I've left you wondering what it is about sensory play or or nature play too that's got so many people talking about it. And that's something that I'm going to explore and offer my thoughts on in this episode. Along with that, in today's episode, we will talk about, um, well, all about nature play. So we'll cover what it is, uh, why it's become such a hot topic in recent years, why I believe that it's so important that we are setting up opportunities for our kids to engage in nature play. And I'll also offer some suggestions or ideas about how you can do this, um, even for people who are living in like an urban or a city type environment. But before we get to that, let's start at the start um, and talk about what I'm actually referring to when I talk about nature play. So really, in my mind and sort of the general understanding of it is that nature play is any unstructured child-led play that occurs outdoors. So that can be in a whole range of settings. It doesn't matter whether that's in the bush, at the park, at the beach, wherever it may be, you know, even outside um, in your backyard. Uh, The main thing to know is that the main focus of it is it's very unstructured and certainly child-led. Often what's understood is that the goal of it is really to build skills and the ability to engage in really creative play for kids without the need for any adult intervention 
or outside um, structure being imposed or direction or control over the play. Now, there's actually been a lot of research done into nature play and what it all shows, points to, um, is that it really has a huge range of benefits for our children, including benefits to their cognitive development, their social skills, their emotional well-being, as well as building resilience and creativity in their thinking as well. I'm going to talk a little bit more about those benefits shortly, um, but I just wanted to point that out from the start because I think Sometimes when we think about it, nature play can seem really simplistic, you know, to go out and play in nature, you don't need any special equipment, you don't need any special knowledge or programs or funding. Um, so it can seem really simplistic. And, and while that's true, I think it's important to know that the impact of this type of play is huge. Now, some of you might be thinking about that little definition or this idea of nature play and be thinking that it actually sounds a lot like the play that you did when you were a child. And if not you, then definitely the kind of play that your parents and certainly your grandparents did when they were kids. And you'd be right, for sure. I actually grew up on the far north coast of New South Wales in a teeny tiny little coastal town called Evans Head. Um, and I have this memory of playing for hours and hours in the Bunjalung National Park. I remember I had a little friend whose house, she lived like um, her home backed onto the National Park. And I remember we would go there for play dates and spend hours and hours and hours in the National Park, just climbing trees, trying to catch butterflies, you know, building forts or little structures out of sticks. And we would play out there and really only go home back to her house when we were hungry. Now, I left Evans Head when I was um, eight years old, yeah, seven or eight. So I really kind of been much older than that in these memories. But as a mum myself now, and I have a seven-year-old myself, I can't really imagine letting him just roam freely in a national park playing all day without knowing what he was up to or, you know, making a plan for when he would be home. And I guess there's, you know, different contexts. Um, so I'm living in suburban Sydney at the moment, so it's a different different kind of setting. But, you know, equally back then when I think about it, we didn't have mobile phones. So, you know, I had no one texting me to say, are you okay? What time will you be home? Where are you? Um, you know, and my parents were, were very, very typical in terms of the, the level of supervision that they had. And yet we really had all this beautiful freedom to play out in nature. It's actually interesting because that difference in play autonomy and freedom to play outside and unsupervised without parental um, guidance is actually fairly common of a wider trend. It wasn't, wasn't just happening in you know, my family. So research has been done into this and they talk about looking um, at the actual distance from home that children have been allowed to roam and free play. They call it the zone of play. And this is specifically within Western societies, I should mention that's obviously an important difference but you know in terms of Australian culture and then you know, in the states or the UK this is all the studies that have been done across all of those different countries um, it, it tends to follow the same trend and what it's found is that the zone of play for kids has gradually become smaller and smaller over the generations to the point that where our great-grandparents say they typically may have been free to roam for up to a few kilometres, you know, going out to play on their bikes, um, walking around, playing with other kids. 
Now that radius of play typically doesn't extend beyond the front yard of, of home for most children. And in fact, most of the play happens inside the home. Naturally, of course, there is a whole lot of social, cultural, technological factors that have interplayed um, to change the way that our kids play. So while in the past, children spent a lot of their free time playing in nature, uh, doing things like I mentioned, climbing trees, making forts, these days they are far more likely to play indoors and, of course, in front of screens. But it's interesting because people are, you know, really quick to point the finger at kids for always being on screens and being addicted to, to their screens, but that's actually far too simplistic. So while kids' interests in screen-based entertainment, that's, that's definitely a factor, of course, there are much bigger influences at play that are influencing play trends. And they are things like, you know, changes in family structures, levels of engagement with community-based sport and activities, social norms around children's safety. So like I mentioned before, many parents don't feel that it's safe just to let their children roam around and play in the streets, you know, probably rightly so. So there's a lot of things to consider here and it's it's really not just as simple as complaining about kids and screens, but that's a topic for another day. <laughs> I just wanted to point it out that this is really um, you know, a society-wide trend that's happening and there are going to be implications of that trend and that shift away from outside play for our kids. So Chelsea Benson, she's actually a researcher, she's from the States, and what she found when she studied this was that children in the United States on average, um, they spend just 30 minutes per week engaged in free play outdoors. And I had a look into this to see if I could find some similar research being done here in Australia. Um, and the most recent one I could find was Golden Circle, the brand. They sponsored a study that happened in 2019 that looked at Australian kids' play trends. And what they found was that on average, Australian kids spend just five and a half to six hours playing outdoors each week. So research like this, I think it really shows you know, and highlights this shift that's occurring. As I mentioned before, there are going to be really important implications for this move away from outdoor play. And it's a huge, a huge social and cultural change for our kids that are growing up today. And I think this is what really underlies the fact that nature play has risen up and been, become such a buzz topic recently. You know, people are recognising the benefits that our kids are missing out on. They're looking to make changes and, you know, proactively engage in um, changing those trends around so that kids are accessing the amazing benefits, health benefits, the developmental benefits that Nature Play brings. There's this amazing book. It's written by um, a journalist, a man called Richard Louvre, and it's called Last Child in the Woods. And so Richard is incredibly passionate about nature play. It's essentially what this is all about. And in the book, he coined the term nature deficit disorder. Now, this isn't a medical diagnosis, of course, um, but he, he made this term up and he uses it in his writing as a way to refer to and talk about, I guess, what he thinks is a really urgent problem for our kids today. What his research and that of others that he cites and you know collaborates with, what it's shown is that the reduction of time spent playing outdoors and being in nature has really significant impacts on kids' development. So some, some of these impacts include um, a diminished use of their senses, 
They have difficulties with attention. There's been a rise in childhood obesity, higher rates of emotional and physical illness. And then there's some also really important implication for kids' um, motor movement as well and their ability for balance and, yeah, gross motor movement too. So while that's a bit of a depressing picture, um, the positive thing is that all of this can be reversed and the prescription for it is, is really simple. It involves shifting back to focus on nature play, provide opportunities for our kids to engage with nature in unstructured free play and make sure that they're doing that on a regular basis. So this isn't like a once every so often type thing. This should be the majority of their play. And this is really the focus of books like Last Child in the Woods um, and also a lot of the new policies and activities that are really looking to drive awareness on the benefits of nature play. I actually remember going to this talk by the wonderful Maggie Dent, um, who I'm sure many of you will know, but if you don't, Maggie is a really well-known Australian parenting expert. She's the mother of four boys who are all grown up now, but she does a lot of work writing and teaching and speaking um, about parenting. And in this talk I went to, which she did on raising boys, she spoke about the importance of nature play for kids. And she shared how she'd been involved in this special project over in Western Australia, where I think she lives, um, where the local council was investing a really significant amount of money and resources into transforming their, like their parks and playgrounds, just the community ones. So what they were doing was actually pulling down all of the plastic, um, you know, brightly coloured plastic parks that we see and replacing them with these natural type play structures built from trees and grasses and logs and they were making like huts and things to climb on. It was pretty amazing in the pictures that she showed. And this is actually something that I'm seeing echoed in a lot of other places now too. This is like a real movement that's happening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There are forest preschools popping up, which is something that I love the sound of and I really tried to seek out for my boys when they were starting preschool. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to find one close enough to us here in South Sydney, but what I did find was a preschool program that really emphasised nature play. So at the boys' preschool, they would take the kids out every day, didn't matter what the weather was, if it was pouring with rain. I mean, if it was thunder and lightning, they wouldn't go. But that was pretty much the only weather that they wouldn't go out in because of the obvious risks for them. But if it was raining, they, the kids would all have their raincoats on, they had gumboots, and they were out playing in it every single day. And I loved that. They also had this beautiful um, tradition where the kids would go every week on what they call Yamanura, which is the Aboriginal word for walkabout, I believe, where they, they so they'd go on Yamanura and they'd go out and walk in local bushland or parks and they'd take their sketchbooks and they would sit um, in nature and just like draw what they'd see for like, I don't know, an hour or something. And yeah, it was all of these factors that really made me fall in love with that preschool and that program and what the boys really loved too, you know, when they talked about 
what they'd done at preschool. It was always the, you know, the times that they would be doing the gardening or bush tucker awareness or the Yamanura walks. They were the things that they talked about and still talk about to this day. So while it wasn't, you know, one of the, the forest preschools or the bush preschools specifically, it had a lot of these beautiful elements. So I just share that because that's something that really many, many, if not all, early childhood centres could be focusing on. So perhaps it's worth having a conversation with your one as well. One culture that really knows and celebrates the benefits of nature play um, are the Scandinavians. So in countries like Norway and Denmark and Sweden, they have this culture that really celebrates nature and values outdoor play as being developmentally really important for kids. I think it was actually in Scandinavia that the first ever forest schools and outdoor nurseries and play play centres popped up and they came about from the 1950s. So this has been happening for a long time now over there. The rest of the world is kind of just catching up. Um, So the Scandies have this saying that says, there's no such thing as bad weather, there's just bad clothes. And I kind of love that because if you know anything about these countries, you'll know that they get very cold, very wet um, and dark at certain times of the year. And yet this saying really encapsulates the fact that they don't let that stop them. Even young babies and children are taken out in the snow, even in their prams and you know when they're very young toddlers as well and encouraged to play. And of course, they're always dressed appropriately, which you know, I find really interesting because I have definitely been someone that's been guilty of saying to my own kids, oh, you know, we won't go to the park today. It's a bit cold. And we live in Sydney where it really doesn't get that cold. Um, So I kind of find this attitude towards outdoor play that the Scandies have really encouraging because I'm sure you'll agree too, the kids don't actually care. You know, they're happy to go out and jump in puddles and put their beanies or jumpers or gloves on, whatever it is, and still explore when it's cold. So, um, yeah, I just find that to be a really encouraging thing to know. I actually follow the blog of a journalist called Linda McGurk, um, and she, on her blog, which is called Rain or Shine Mama, um, and actually she's written a whole book too, and her book is called There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather. I'm pretty sure that's the title. I'll link to it in the show notes anyway. Anyway, she's really interesting because she is originally from Sweden. She grew up in Sweden, spent her childhood there. And then when she was an adult and had her own children, she moved to America. And that move was what prompted her to start her blog because she was um, really shocked at the cultural differences in play for kids. I remember reading once on the blog, she said that if she let her own children play in America, the way that they did and the way that she did growing up in Sweden, that people would be genuinely really concerned because they would be out there playing no matter what the weather, in the snow, playing outdoor for the majority of the time. And she was just really surprised at her firsthand experience of what she called like a culture shock in terms of the difference in play. So she started her blog and then I guess went on to write her book to inspire outdoor play and adventure regardless of what the weather is. So she's got a really interesting perspective because she's lived it. Um, She's also really funny too in the way she writes. So that would be a good one to check out if any of this interests you. Okay, so that was a bit of a tangent. But anyway, some interesting things that you can check out if this is, um, yeah, sparking any interest in you. 
So in a moment, I'm going to share some ideas um, in terms of some easy and you know, fun ways that you can start to be integrating nature play into your own lifestyles. But first, I wanted to talk quickly about the benefits in case you're not sold already. Hopefully, these will help further um, sell you on how amazing nature play really is for our kids. So some of the main reasons I love it, um, it really teaches kids to test their limits and boundaries, but in a really healthy way. I remember I took my boys when they were younger to the nature play group that was attached to the preschool they went to. And the educator there, she was amazing. And she taught me this rule of thumb, I suppose, um, about nature play that has always stuck with me. She said, let kids climb, but in a way that matches their ability. So if they were climbing up a tree, for example, if they're able to hoist themselves up onto a branch, then that's fine. That's within their ability level. But I shouldn't be physically lifting them up onto anything that they're not able to climb up onto themselves because that would be overstepping their own physical limit or ability. So having had the boys who were both, you know, one in particular, climbers and jumpers and, you know, keen to engage in like risky play at times, I found nature play to be the perfect outlet for that because it kind of lends itself to it, right? They're jumping off branches or jumping around rocks and that was really satisfying for them but also let me have kind of this semi-contained, safe-ish place for them to explore their own limits and boundaries. So that is sort of the main reason I love it so much. Um, some of the other things, though, that have shown in research is that nature play really encourages kids to explore and think creatively. You know, there's a lot of talk about the benefits of open-ended toys for young children, which are basically just toys that can be used in many, many different ways, not just one specific way. So that would be like blocks, Lego, Play-Doh, drawing, yeah, all that sort of thing. Um, and when you think about it, nature really is the ultimate open-ended resource because there's just so many ways and yeah forms that children can play when they're in nature. Uh, we know too that being out in nature is super regulating and calming for our bodies regardless of your age. So for children, um, just spending some time out in greenery or near the water, just alone being in that setting can be really, really calming and to help regulate their stress. It's really good for their emotional well-being. Um, some of the other benefits include that it helps to learn to engage with your senses in a really meaningful way, can develop your own sense of intuition, help kids to learn how to improvise solutions, they gain perspective when they're out in nature, they're taught to recognise beauty, um, you know, you don't have to look too far, kids become like mesmerised with things like spider webs or tiny flowers or whatever it is that the whole experience can be really, really beautiful for them. And importantly too, I think it teaches children environmental ownership and care. You know, we can talk to them about the need to look after our environments and protect them for future generations. And that's so much easier to do when you're out in nature and not just sitting, you know, watching a movie about nature. So anyway, some of the benefits, some of the many benefits I think that are available and part of nature play are there. So introducing nature play and, and making it part of your family's lifestyle doesn't really need to involve like elaborate adventures or expeditions out into nature, although, of course, if that appeals to you and you're that type of family, that's amazing. Um, but I just wanted to offer a few sort of more simpler ideas 
um, simpler ideas that could really kickstart your engagement with nature play. And these are just, yeah, for, for any families that are sort of thinking, yeah, this is something we want to be doing and need to be doing more of, but it doesn't perhaps form part of your um, rhythm and your routines now. So I think the simplest thing to be doing, and it's something that any of us can be doing no matter where we live or what, you know, the ages of the kids in your family are, is just to go for a walk in nature. Really doesn't need to be much more complicated than that. Important thing is to remember that nature play is, you know, by its very form, it's meant to be unstructured with minimal parental guidance. Some of us, I think, have the tendency to want to direct play or show kids how it should, you know, in inverted commas, should be done. And I put my hand up. I'm a little bit like this by nature. I have to check myself because, you know, I will happily sit and play, you know, or rules like that, you know, games like that, sorry, that have clear rules and, you know, purpose. But actually I need to pull myself up when um, my kids are more engaged in like imaginary or free play. It takes a little while for me to drop into that. It doesn't come as naturally. So if you are like that too, recognize that in yourself and check yourself because if you are walking with your kids in nature somewhere beautiful, whether that's the bush or the beach, you'll probably find that they just slip into imaginary play or lose themselves in play in those settings when they're given the space to do it. And so all it demands from us is pulling back, giving them that space, both the physical space, but also the, you know, um, emotional space too, just to, just to lose themselves in the situation. So going for a walk is probably the simplest, easiest way to do this. The second suggestion though, if you are looking for, if you're a more activity type person where you like to have, you know, a set activity planned, it can be really nice to go and visit somewhere new, whether that's a new park, a new beach, go to the national park close to home and search for wild treasures. Kids love doing this. So treasures can be things like rocks or shells, gum nuts, flowers, whatever it is that you can find. And then when you get home, they can be used in craft activities or sensory play. So we collected a whole lot of gum nuts and little nuts um, once I remember and came home and the kids played for ages with them in Play-Doh. You know, they made little scenes and creations and things. So it can be nice to pull elements of your nature play back into the home as well. If you live if you live somewhere warm or during the warmer months, it's really nice to take all of your treasures that you found too and pop them into like a shallow dish cover it with water and then freeze that in your freezer overnight or however long. And when it comes out, it's like this beautiful transparent disc that you can see all of your nature play treasures in there as well, which kids love to play with as it melts. So that's a bit more of a structured nature play activity. Um, if you live in a big city, if you're one of these families that's living in the city and you don't have a lot of easy access to, you know, traditional sort of nature play settings Although I think there is this movement of creating more space for kids in urban areas. I know here in Sydney they created the amazing Wild Play Park at Centennial Park, which is incredible. Um, but if you can't for whatever reason, a really nice way to engage kids in nature play at home is to create like a little home garden or a veggie patch, you know, and show kids the process of planting the seeds and looking after them and growing these things or even if your your space only extends, if you don't have any outdoor space in your home, you could be having like a strawberry pot is really simple and takes up 
next to no room and they can grow inside in a sunny spot as well and that's a really nice way to be showing kids um you know that power and um the pool of you know growing their own food as well my only other suggestion or you know final thought i suppose on the topic is to remember that nature play doesn't demand perfect weather so even if it's sprinkling with rain or it's a bit cold you can pop your boots and raincoats on and just go and splash in the puddles or collect seed pods or leaves have boat races in the creeks um, or even just in the gutters at the front of your house <laughs> can be that simple. I think for being kids, I'm sorry, for kids, just being outside during rainy adventure can be enough of an adventure in itself. It kind of feels a bit thrilling and exciting when they're not used to necessarily playing out in that. So just let that Scandi saying, there's no bad weather, just bad clothes. Um, ring in your mind as well and yeah can really be a chance to to explore and do something new so that brings me to the end of what I wanted to cover and talk about with nature play hopefully that's given you some food for thought something to think about and perhaps some ideas for new play adventures that you can be having with your kids we've as always would love to hear what you are up to so if you are listening to this um, as you're out and about or even if it's inspired you to engage in nature play in any way take a photo and share it on instagram by tagging the kind parenting company so that we can check that one out as well all right i look forward to seeing you next episode thanks for joining me and listening to this week's episode of the podcast if you've enjoyed this content and are looking to dive deeper into the support that the kind parenting company offers parents and caregivers you will love the range of programs we have available. The range includes online programs for supporting baby and toddler sleep, most suitable for babies aged 0 to 24 months, and also Toddler Life, which is a guide for those raising children aged 2 to 4 years. Each program comes with access to video and audio files, as well as the opportunity to join the community forums. Podcast listeners receive 20% off all programs. Simply visit the Kind Parenting Company website and use the code KPCPODCAST20, that's KPCPODCAST20, at checkout. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.